Macworld Podcast number 426 for September 23rd, 2014, brought to you by The Great Courses, engaging audio and video courses for those who love to learn, Harry's, an amazing shave at an affordable price, and Veridesk, the height-adjustable standing desk for a healthier working environment. Welcome to another episode of the Macworld Podcast. I'm Chris Breen, and for the very last time, unfortunately, is my co-host... Serenity Caldwell. Oh, Chris, you're going to make me tear up, and we haven't even started the podcast yet. This is not good. No, it's not good. So uh, we'll talk a little bit about that at the very end. Yeah, later, later. Later, later. So we'll stretch out the good part as long as we can. (laughs) Um, Speaking of good parts, over the weekend... Our friends at Apple sold, um, I think we can term this a buttload of iPhones. Yes. <laughs> I think that's, what, I think when you reach 10 million, that's when you officially, you could say buttload. Before that, <laughs> it's just sort of like a boatload, but now we're at a Yeah, buttload. a truckload, a cartload. No, I, I think you're right. Um, 10 million iPhones is a lot of iPhones. And even though Apple, you know, par for the course does not split out how many of those were iPhone 6s and how many of those were iPhone 6 pluses. That's still a lot of people who have bought a lot of new iPhones. It is. And, um, you know, we did coverage and everybody else did coverage on Friday where they were posting photos of lines. And I have to say, after all the iPhones that have been sold, because we're not just talking about six phones, but, you know, there were all the little S models Mm -hmm. in between. So we had like 11 or 12 of these things. And people are still lining up in droves for iPhones when we have perfectly wonderful iPhones already, and yet people are still out there getting them. But Chris, it's new and shiny. <laughs> it's new and shiny, but it's expensive. It you is know, expensive. I mean, right? I mean, a lot of people are now updating every single year. And although there are now places where you can go and you can get some money back, and, and you know, not just sending it through mail order, but you actually go to a store and, and get a decent amount of money back so you can afford the new model. Mm. Um, you would think that there would be sort of a drop-off on this, and it just is getting higher and higher. Last year, I think it was $9 million over their first... Yep, over the first year. weekend. And I think that $9 million included pre-orders. Oh, um, really? Yeah, because they didn't, they didn't give us a pre-order number for the 5S. Oh, right. Yeah, and because pre-order was $4 million plus this $10 million. Mm-hmm. So now we're at $14 million of these things sold. And in addition to that, um, that's not even counting... Any of the second uh, second wave of launches, which is going to happen, what, at the end of the month, which includes China. So we haven't even seen any China numbers. This is mostly, you know, the U.S. and Canada and the U.K., which is crazy. It is crazy. But in a way, it's China. because um, <laughs> In a way. <laughs> in a way, it's China. Because there are lots of reports of people in that line or in those various lines who would go in and buy not just one, not two, but as many iPhones as they possibly (laughs) could because these other markets are not launching until the end of the month and they're trying to get in early and get the 6 and the 6 Plus because they want to sell them overseas on the gray and black markets for a lot of money. Um, I think a 6 is going for like $1,000 and 6 Plus is going for more. There was somebody... I think who was buying it for mainland China, and he was going to buy a couple of them and get $2,400 for a, for a six plus. Well, I guess that pays for your ticket to, to come over and wait in line. <laughs> I guess it does. Um, but again, it's only a few weeks before they get them. And yet, you're right, the shiny object thing is so attractive 
that people are not only willing to stand in that line, but also somewhere in the world are going to pay that kind of money for something they could have probably in a few weeks or maybe a couple of months, depending on, you know, how constrained the uh, orders are. Yeah, but it's, I mean, it's crazy the links that people will go to to get something first day. And I include myself in that. I mean, I would not pay $3,000 for an iPhone. I would not fly across, you know, across uh, country lines and oceans to get an iPhone. But like, I've, I've done the first day stand in line thing for pretty much every iPhone I've bought. Um, and I have, I want to say I've basically had every single generation since the 3GS. Um, and really only, only the last two or three were, were Macworld subsidied phones. So it's yeah. like, you know, those, that was, you know, spending my own money for the early upgrade back when AT&T was still offering that, um, and waiting in line and, and being willing to be like, yeah, I'm going to stand in line in two, for two hours and chat with other people who are standing in line for two hours because then I get to be the first person with this phone and I can't wait to have these features and it's all so exciting. You know, it's it seems silly to get excited over a piece of technology, but um, but the, the iPhone is the iPhone is a key. It's like waiting in line for a concert um, in, a, in a certain way. And actually, when I started at Macworld, one of the very first things that I did as a freelancer was cover the line reports for the mm-hmm. the original iPad and um, and the iPhone. And I love going to line events and launch events. There's just something, there's some kind of like delightful energy in the air from the people who are there. And maybe, you know, now the lines have become filled more with like line waiter or like paid line sitters mm-hmm. and, and gray market folks looking to take this back to China or wherever. But there are still the people um, who, you know, are waiting in line because this is this this piece of technology changed theirs or their families' lives. And they, you know, they, they want to get it first. They want to be around fellow Apple lovers. Um, when I was standing in line uh, last week, I ended up standing next to a, a really lovely woman who told me a lot about like how excited she was to get the new phone and how she was really looking forward to the six plus because she, you know, she had trouble typing. So she really wanted the bigger keyboard. And then she told me the story about how like giving her, her elderly mother an iPhone when she was in a nursing home changed her life and probably mm-hmm. kept her alive a couple extra years because she could talk to her relatives and talk to her friends. Like you get those kind of stories in these, in these launch lines. And it's so, it's just, it's so cool to see and to hear from, you know, um, it's, it's something that you don't really get in, uh, you don't get with Samsung phones. Oh, this Samsung phone changed my life. When, <laughs> when would you hear that? Where would you hear that? Uh, it's bigger. Um, yeah, I, I think you're right, because it does give us some perspective, given the business we're in. We we get these devices, and we play them, and we, and we talk a lot of, with our people in sort of the same jobs we're in, or, or pundits about it. But when you s- stand around with real people who have who aren't focused on this kind of technology, but it becomes a part of their life, and it enhances it in ways that we don't think about. Sometimes we're just so uh, navel gazy about this that we miss the big picture like what a difference these things make to people so um i think for that reason alone standing in line whether you get a phone or not just kind of hanging out with with the people that use this technology is enlightening for um, for people in our business yeah very much so um one thing i noticed they made a big deal about it is tim cook being at the palo alto store and that used to be my uh, my store before I moved over the hill. Oh, and I thought, oh, that's so nice. And I, I was contrasting again, you know, like Steve Jobs used to show up to the Palo Alto store for various reasons, 
But I thought Tim's take on it is so kind of Apple now and and Tim that he was out there with big smiles, talking to people, um, you know, very much a man of the people, more as where where Steve's was was more standoffish and mm. kind of the big brain. But it was like Tim was, you know, clearly a smart guy too, but he was kind of mixing it up with with regular folks. And I just I thought that moment was was really nice. Of course, it's staged in a way so that we get a better sense of him and, and Apple and him putting more of a stamp on it. But I just loved the the optics of that. Yeah, I mean, I feel like Tim Cook's made a couple of appearances at Palo Alto over the years, I want to say. Um, but this one was particularly, again, as you said, it's not necessarily staged, but particularly open. You know, he spent some time with the crowd. He took selfies. Um, I, there, there was one yeah, he's quote big from on someone. The selfies. Yeah, can I take a selfie? Only if it's with an iPhone. Yucky, 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 yucky. <laughs> but no, I mean, Tim Cook is a personal guy, and he seems like a personable guy. He's a, you know, he's a southerner. Um, and you get that impression from him. And I think it's good that the, the new direction of the PR team is to get him a little bit more out in the public talking to people more. So people actually know like who this guy is. Um, and it seems silly, right? It's like running for office where it's like, oh, you have to kiss a certain amount of babies and take a certain amount of selfies. Uh, but it's, it's really, um, it's it's morale. It's motive. It's motivating, right? And especially yeah. if you're an Apple employee who's working at the Palo Alto store, you know how cool is that that you get to meet the head of your company, that he mm-hmm. just walks right through and thanks you for your job and like what you do and you, the fact that you are changing lives. You know that's that's really nifty and really inspiring for uh, for people who are otherwise stuck working retail. Yeah, no, I think that was that was just terrific that he was there. And and again, contrasting to Steve. Steve's not going to take a selfie with anybody ever. And so this this man of the people thing, particularly when he's Steve or Tim Cook has been um talked about as a supply guy, particularly the first couple of years he was there. Like, well, yes, he he handles inventory well, but he's not a visionary. He's not Steve and and I think this this helps some um, to say, yeah, maybe he's a supply guy. He's a smart guy. He understands how businesses work. That's not bad. No. But at the same time, he's a human being. And we've seen the kinds of things that Apple is doing, caring more about the environment, caring more about the people who work at Apple. I think that's all great. And I and I just loved seeing what he did. Very much so. It, it makes me really, really excited. <laughs> Yeah. Okay, um, before we move on to the next thing, here is a word from the great courses, which are engaging audio and video courses for those who love to learn. I, like most good people, love learning, and that's why I'm a big fan of the great courses. So what exactly is this? The great courses has been in production for over 20 years. You can listen to or watch the great courses with online downloads and streaming via their apps or on DVDs or CDs. So there are plenty of options for learning. They offer engaging video and audio lectures taught by top professionals and experts in their fields. And these subjects include science, literature, art, music, and more. Now, currently, I'm watching the Fundamentals of Photography course by professional photographer and National Geographic fellow Joel Sartori. And I am because I'm a very enthusiastic photographer, but I'm not a very good photographer. So I'm looking for tips and help from pros, and Joel provides it. 
So for example, as I go through this, I'm learning how to use different camera settings, I'm learning more about aperture, and I'm also learning how to see as a professional photographer does to create better pictures. So I think about composition, I think about framing. I also think about lighting and the best times of day to shoot. It's been a fantastic learning experience. It's full of great tips and fun activities that I can apply to my learning. It's very hands-on and interactive. If you're as much into photography as I am, I think you really should give it a try. The Great Courses has a special offer for Macworld listeners. Order Fundamentals of Photography and you get 80, that's 80% off the original price. But this 80% savings is only available for a limited time. So please act now. Don't wait. Go to thegreatcourses.com slash Macworld. That's thegreatcourses.com slash Macworld. Okay, so as you hinted, you have an iPhone 6. I do. I don't. I'm, I'm, well, it's Soon? Uh, we'll see. Because <laughs> um, I'm kind of an S guy. I like to wait for the, the big number for to the come out. For the rev up, yeah. Yeah, and then I do the S thing, and then everybody who has the old big numbers is, oh. But I, I really want it, yeah. I want that one. That one's cool. So, yes, I waited. So, um, But anyways, one of the things you did, over um over the weekend is you took a lot of pictures with it i did and we're getting a lot of word about these phones cameras like they're significantly better so i'd like to hear your experience yeah um well i mean i'm not a professional photographer i feel like i have to preface this i'm not a professional photographer and i i take photos primarily as a you know as a hobby like i love comp I love composition. It's like part of the theater nerd in me and the, mm -hmm. the film nerd. Like I love composing shots and I love seeing what I can get out of fairly limited technology. Um, but I'm not, you know, I'm not somebody who's going to cart around tripods and, and extra lights and stuff like that. Um, so my tests that I did and I published an article uh, Monday about, uh, about the six camera um, they're mostly real world tests and with a little bit of roller derby sprinkled in cause I can't help myself. And that's a, that's a real world test. That's sports. Um, but shooting with the iPhone is phenomenal. It really is in terms of, you know, the iPhone six, um, again, you have to get used to like the little, the fact that it's a little bit bigger, but the fact that it's bigger actually helps you as a, uh, as a camera. Cause the viewport now is wonderful. Mm -hmm. The fact that you have this big, beautiful glossy you know retina display screen um to help you properly frame your image is awesome manual exposure controls means that you can get a much more uh, rich picture that isn't too overexposed which is really really exciting i mean i like shooting slightly underexposed and then playing with uh playing with temperature and, and exposure in post-production when we're doing photo editing. So being able to like deliberately underexpose a picture and then boost the colors and boost the light afterwards is so much more exciting than shooting something that's too overexposed and then trying to dial it back down and be like, oh no, this is blurry and impossible to actually turn into a good picture. Uh, there's just, there are a lot of little improvements made to the phone. Um, Apple primarily is pushing the video improvements, which, I mean, we can start off with those. The video improvements are significant, mm -hmm. very, very significant for a handheld, um, you know, smartphone camera and even for point and shoot digital digital cameras. I mean, the, um, the video that this phone shoots right now is better than the video that my $1,000 um, pocket camcorder I bought when I was in high school can shoot. 
Yeah. And that blows my mind. That was, you know, we're nine years, nine years after I bought this top of the line HD 720p camcorder um, that couldn't do slow motion. And here's my phone that can do better slow motion than a $5,000 camera I shot with like seven years ago. Um, and the picture quality is excellent, even in low light. Um, what, what, what really blew me away was shooting... So, of course, the iPhone 6 has 240 frames per second slow motion, which means that when you're filming, in a single second, you, the camera takes 240 frames. Um, and if you slow that down, which is to say if you play the normal 24 to 30 frames in a second that you would play um, for the average you know, video playback, um, that 240 gets stretched out to one-eighth right. of what you know its original speed was. And that produces really detailed, really, um, really captivating slow motion content, um, especially when you put people on roller skates and then have them do crazy <laughs> things, which is what I did for my test video. Um, and on top of that, not only is the slow motion excellent and they've really improved the low light processing in the camera because, you know, I, I was doing videos like this last year. Uh, with the iPhone 5S, which had 120 frames per second slow motion. And those were much, much darker, even in broad daylight. So to see the see the camera is already, or the sensor inside the iPhone 6 has already sort of addressed that a little bit is really exciting. And then on top of that, um, the, the uh, cinematic stabilization is something that they've been pushing, which basically is kind of like how Instagram's hyperlapse feature works and that mm -hmm. um, it automatically figures out, you know, where your camera shake is and crops and stabilizes everything for you as you're shooting it. Uh, when I shot our, um, when I shot the little demo video that's in embedded in my article, it was you know I'm doing a roller skates test with my friend and usually I shoot video while on roller skates myself, but today I was just you know I was under in a rush and I didn't get my gear so I was just shooting everything with like boots on like hiking boots right so. If you you walk in hiking boots and they're big and they're cloppy and they move around and um and I I was shooting my friend you know going pretty fast on roller skates so I was in at parts having to actively run after her to shoot this video or while you're like, holding this thing exactly while holding the iPhone or run backwards while I was doing it and then you look at the final product and it's not shaky it's not a, like if you look at that product I as as somebody with some experience in film I look at that and I'm like no there's a tripod right or like yeah. a, a little bit of steady cam or you're on wheels or like this is not you know this is much smoother than it has any right to be especially when you slow down the frame rate you expect to see all of those little jitters and there there's almost none no jitters whatsoever which is really really impressive for a tiny little piece of technology and of course, it's worth noting that the iPhone 6 does not have um, the 6 Plus's optical image stabilization. It doesn't have a little extra physical uh, stabilization within the lens. This is all, you know, digital digital stabilization, cinematic stabilization, as Apple likes to call it, that's being done processor-wise. Um, so the, the results that you're getting from the 6 are just incredible. And if you have a 6, I highly recommend going to shoot some slow motion video of something. I, I, sh I shot a cat in a basement um, last night. And the, like even that, even in the lowest light conditions imaginable, that cat looks awesome. That cat looks fierce. <laughs> Just like batting, batting around a, a string. So it's video camera, very, very impressive. Well, that's interesting because, you know, I've never seen any... Um 
cat pictures or videos on the internet. So no, I think you, never. you sort of um, started a new trend here. <laughs> it's a special niche. <laughs> yeah, let's talk about the still camera a little bit. So what isn't it great for at, at the moment? Because again, we're still talking about not a dedicated camera, but we're talking no. about a camera on your phone. So it does great stuff, but what is where areas where people are going to say, "Oh, good, it can do anything," and then you're going to go, "Oh, well, it didn't quite well, do almost all that." Yeah. Now that I've finished yawning, okay. Um, <laughs> the um, primarily low light conditions are still going to hamper the phone somewhat. Mm -hmm. um, it is a tiny sensor, right? It's still. They've done a lot to make 8 megapixels look impressive. And really, it's not necessarily about, you know, you don't need a giant photo if those individual pixels are not um, not well rendered. Um, and Apple has done a great job over the years making those pixels better and better and, and, and increasing, like, the low-light sensitivity on that sensor. Uh, but there are, there are areas, including, you know, shooting it like a party scenario, where that low-light is still a problem. And it still it starts to give this sort of mosaic -y quality mm -hmm. to it, where the pixels kind of look not even blurry, but almost like painted, like watercolors. Right. Um, and that you know that that can be frustrating, even with the flash. Um, and the other the other big issue, at least for me, is um, taking photos in quick succession without using burst mode. So oh. if you want to, so if you don't necessarily want to take like five or six photos in a row with burst mode, you're just like, oh, I'm going to snap one photo and then I'm going to pause for two seconds, maybe get a b different angle and snap another photo. Um, it's again, it's faster than the iPhone 5S, but it does hit significant slowdown in certain areas, um, including shooting, say, low light movement. Yeah. Like I went to a party on Friday um, and I was shooting a bunch of photos with the iPhone and portraits portraits were great but it still took a couple like it, it took like a second and a half for the camera to reset before i could press the shutter button again it felt a little bit only the rest of the phone is so fast the iphone 6 is so fast and you, you know you, you click and you you don't even have to blink um before before your command is executed um that in contrast um having that delay when you press the shutter button feels so weird and foreign, even mm -hmm. though, the, you know, that was a thing on the iPhone 4S where you'd push the shutter button and it would take so long. Yeah. Um, so having that, having that back again was kind of, kind of weird. Um, yeah. But those are like, those are the two major, um, the two major things for me where the iPhone can't quite replace a DSLR, but, um, but for port like, the fact I can shoot such nice portraits on this phone, which is ridiculous. Um, yeah, yeah. And the um, it's so it's so much crisper than it used to be in terms of, um, in terms of grabbing focus, in terms of keeping focus on a moving subject when there's uh, good light. I don't know if you saw my picture again yeah. with a cat. <laughs> yep. But um, I was just taking a series of random pictures, not even burst mode, just random pictures with um, with my friend's cat and um. You know, some of those turned out blurry, and then a the couple of them, it just you know snapped at the right aspect, and it's the cat. You know, it's impossibly sharp. It's the kind of thing that if I was carrying around my DSLR, I'd be like hand focusing. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> and don't move, cat. Stop exactly. Moving. Yeah. All right, cat. Stay very, very still. So I'm in. I'm really impressed with um, how much better the iPhone has gotten. The iPhone six has gotten in terms of motion. Um, and also in terms of HDR, it looks better than ever. Mm -hmm. Um, it's just, it's, 
it is a really impressive upgrade across the board. And I said it, like I said in my article, um, it's not so much that the average person is going to be able to say, oh man, my pictures are so much better because X, Y, and Z. They're just going to look at these pictures that they're taking with the six and say, huh, these are actually, these are really good. These yeah. are so much better than my old phone. I don't know why they're so much better than my old phone, but they're, they're so much better. <laughs> yeah, I think we're getting to the point now where we can stop making the, oh, this was taken on a phone excuse. Mm -hmm. Because now, really, you're talking about the quality of a really good point and shoot. Um, maybe in some cases, as you say, low light isn't as good as, as an advanced point and shoot. But still, considering that it's on your phone, and this isn't the primary reason that you bought the thing, it does amazing work. Really and and I think we've crossed the line now, just as, as Phil Schiller said in the presentation, where he showed the picture of the, the point and shoot and said, well, you know, we're not, they're not selling so many of these anymore. And I think he's right. I think the DSLR still has plenty of life in it. But, mm -hmm. um, you know, for a camera that you're dragging around with you on vacation or just as part of your life, the idea of going out and, and spending a couple hundred bucks on a point and shoot now just seems silly to me. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, the DSLR, like as you said, it definitely has uses and I'm not going to sell mine anytime soon. I like that my 40 millimeter pancake lens too much not to. Um, but I don't think, I mean, I haven't carried my DSLR around in a long, not since, not since I got the 5S. And um, I don't even know if I'll take my DSLR to like fancy parties. I may just stick with the six and unless I'm planning on shooting in low light. Yeah, you know, I, I will take my DSLR with me with intent. So mm -hmm. if I'm going to go out specifically to shoot, if I'm going to go out and take really good beach pictures instead of just sort of average <laughs> beach pictures, I will take my DSLR with me. And But that's really a, a focus kind of, I'm going to go practice my hobby now. Otherwise, you know, for the morning walks on the beach, I'm not dragging my DSLR. No. I'm just going to take shots. If I'm hanging out with friends, I'm going to use my iPhone. I'm not going to pull out the big camera and say, hang on a second, let me get this set up on the tripod, put the off-camera furniture <laughs> over here and do... The Forget it. I will do it it's when I'm... Much. Exactly. When I'm going to practice, then I'll take my big camera. Otherwise, for my life, I'm going to use the iPhone. Absolutely. But now I want an iPhone 6. <laughs> They're yeah. kind of fun. Soon. Ah. Soon. All right. All right. Uh, we have more stuff to talk about. But before we do, I want to talk about Harry's which is an amazing shave, and I'm not kidding. It really is really good <laughs> at an affordable price. This one goes out to the 10-year-old boys out there who are looking forward to shaving someday because it makes you a man, and it's fabulous. And the truth is it's not. Shaving is a real pain. It's uncomfortable. It causes nicks, cuts, scrapes, and razor burn. And razor blades really expensive. You know, this is not a cheap thing to do. But unless you want to be one of those people with, you know, beards down to your knees, you got to do it. So is there any solution for you or the men in your life? Well, there is, and it's called Harry's. Harry's was started by two guys who wanted to make a better product, and they didn't want to pay an arm and a leg to get it. So what they did is they checked out this place in Germany that makes its own blades, and they liked the blades so much that they purchased the factory to get high-quality, high-performing blades crafted by shaving experts, and they really are such people in the world. Plus... There's no pesky plexiglass cabinets that you have to unlock either to get to your blade. So the great thing about Harry's, well, there are a bunch of them. One is they're about half the price of the other big branded blades. 
They ship for free to your front doorstep. The starter set is an amazing deal. It's just $15 and you get a razor, moisturizing shaving cream, and three razor blades. So why would you pay $32 for an eight pack of blades when it's half the price at Harry's? With Harry's, you get a better shave that respects your face and your wallet, and you get no more poor quality shaves. On average, an everyday shaver saves about $150 a year on blades using Harry's. So they sent me a starter kit a couple of weeks ago, and I have to tell you, I really like it a lot, and not just because they're sponsoring this episode of the podcast, but really, the razor is adjustable, it fits my face. Invariably, I would cut my nose, or I would cut my ear if I was shaving quickly, and you don't with Harry's. I can shave really fast, I get the job done. The moisturizing cream is really good. It really is smooth on your face and it smells good. My wife really likes the stuff. So I'm sold. I'm gonna buy Harry's from now on because I really, really like the experience of shaving with it. As much of a pain as it is to shave at all. So here's what you can do. You can experience a clean, close, comfortable shave with Harry's. So go to harrys.com and Harry's will give you $5 off if you type in my coupon code, which is MACWORLD, with your first purchase. That's Harry's, H-A-R-R-Y-S dot com, and enter coupon code MACWORLD at checkout for $5 off, and start shaving better today. So we've talked a little bit about the iPhone 6 and the iPhone 6's camera. Um, so it seems only proper that we talk about the operating system that the new iPhones and some older iPhones have the capacity to run, which is iOS 8. Um, and it, of course, came out last Wednesday. So we've had a couple days with it now, which is kind of exciting. Um, I've had a couple months with it because I was testing it, um, the developer previews. And um, I think the the final release version of iOS 8 is really impressive. There are a lot of cool new things for to do with it. But there are, you know, like any iOS release, there are a lot of bugs and little things that need to be ironed out. Um, Apple, in fact, ran into a, a very big bug very, uh, right as, as they launched on Wednesday. And they pulled all support for HealthKit, for their new health initiative, mm-hmm. for, um, for a couple weeks while, while they try and fix this, uh, this awful little bug. So, um, you know, not, not all is well in upgrading Paradise Land, but, uh, but there are some, some neat things. Chris, what do you say? I think that's, um, yeah, I like all the feature. The feature set are great. And we've talked about how good the feature set is, how this advances iOS, and that's all terrific. What happens with this is that when you have to time your operating system release to the release of new hardware, which in this case is iOS 6, or sorry, iPhone 6, <laughs> um, you're, you're going to, you know, you may have four weeks of work to do, but only 10 days to do it in. And I have installed iOS 8 on my iPhone 5S, and it's been great so far. I really haven't had any problems with it. Performance is good. Features work as expected. But I installed it on my iPad Air, and I've had nothing but problems with it. Really? Where I try using multi-touch gestures, and they stop working. Rotation, I rotate, and it doesn't rotate. And then I flick the switch a few times, and then finally it rotates. <laughs> uh, it's a little slow sometimes. Wi-Fi is a little slow, or it just isn't connecting sometimes. And uh, because of what we do, you know, I tweeted about this, and I had other people come back and say, yeah, me too, except it's on my iPhone. It's not on my iPad Air, which works beautifully. And other people say, no, it's my iPad mini, but it's great on this thing. So it seems to be very much a mixed bag that 
at least in terms of performance and battery drain and some of these other little weird things, some people say, no, it's fine. Other people say, yeah, it's a problem. And I haven't figured out what it is, whether it's other apps that are on there that are doing something, if it's the kind of install you did, whether you just completely wiped it, downloaded it through iTunes and put it on that way, or whether you did an update in place or what. But I am hearing reports of like, yeah, there's some things going on here that aren't quite ready yet. And not that I was surprised, because as you say, with each major number update, there are always going to be some bugs in there. And I don't mm. know that this was any worse than it was with iOS 7. It's just no. that it's what I'm experiencing now and something, oh yeah, this is a problem, this is a problem, this is a problem. Fortunately, you can still roll back. Apple is um, still signing iOS 7.1.2. So if you can get a copy and you're having a problem, and make sure you're having a problem first because iOS 8 otherwise is awesome. It is. Uh, you plug it into your computer, go into iTunes, hold down the option key, or for those of you in Europe, the alt key, <laughs> and press uh, restore, I, uh, whatever your device is. Then you'll have to navigate to the IPSW file, which is the 7.1.2, which you can find on the internet by Googling it. Then it will install, it will restore, it will wipe out every bit of data on your device. So please back it up first. Please. Please. Then do it. And then you can go back to 7.1.2, which I did on my iPad Air, but I've left five, uh, I've left iOS 8 on my 5S. And I'll just wait until the 8.01 update comes out, <laughs> whenever that is, and then see how it goes. Yeah, I think that sounds like a, a, a wise decision. Um, I had a, a little bit of problem with iOS 8 on my iPad mini, um, but mostly uh, I had good experiences with it. I, I keep on having this weird bug where like notifications will occasionally hang. You know mm. how like the little banners come down? And yeah, yeah. They'll just sort of hang on top of whatever I'm using, and that's like, this is a little bit odd. And there are still a couple apps which unfortunately maybe have not uh, have not taken the time to add everything up to uh, to make everything iOS 8 ready. And that's mm -hmm. kind of a bummer. But um, but overall, these are small, small issues. And I think, I think you're right on the money when it comes to, you know, it might just be worth either rolling back and waiting or trying a clean install, backing everything up and then wiping your device and starting fresh and trying to do go from a restore. Sometimes that really helps. Um, also, if you have too much... Too much croft on your iPhone. Yes. Uh, plenty, plenty of us have been living with like one gigabyte free, two gigabytes free, and there's a lot of people going up in arms about iOS 8. You know, requiring so many, so many gigabytes of data. Um, but those, uh, that space is not maybe not necessarily um, necessary for the actual operating system, but it might be good for the operating system to, you know, run at peak effectiveness because mm -hmm. we all experience this on our Macs too. You, you, if you bring your Mac's hard drive to within a gigabyte of being full, all of a sudden your Mac starts to run a little bit more slowly than it, you know, than you would like it to run and that it normally runs. So I, I suspect that some of the slowdown problems might be related to that as well. It could very well be. One thing I noticed when I did the restore to 712 is that instead of just reinstall the complete backup, I went through iTunes and I actually picked the specific apps that I really wanted. Because, you know, over time you just accumulate this stuff and you use it once or twice and then you don't touch it again. Or it's something we've reviewed 
uh, or we've we've wanted to try out, and you just leave it there. And then if you restore your entire backup, all that junk goes back on again. And in this case, I just no. Wait, wait, let's start over again. Let me just go through and pick exactly those apps that I use. So instead of having nine screens of apps, maybe now I've got four, and then I put them in folders, and now I have two. Um, and I've noticed, at least going back to my iPad, it runs better now on 7.1.2 before I did the update. And then, you know, so the previous install of 7.1.2, it just seems cleaner. I know what everything is. And, um, and I'm using more of the apps that I really love versus the ones that just I've thrown on there for one reason or another. Yeah, no, I think that's absolutely true. Uh, when I uh, when I switched to the iPhone 6, I actually cut down a bunch of the apps that I was using on the 5, despite the fact that I have more storage space because I got the 64 gigabyte option. Um, I cut all I cut it down to kind of like the bare minimum of the apps I absolutely needed, and then I'm like, you know what? I'll just uh, I'll do the like install from the cloud if I if I really need this app. I've already bought it; it's already available to me. And it's not a big deal. Um, and cutting all of that down, it really like not only did it help my iPhone 6, you know. My iPhone 6 naturally should probably be very speedy, but um, I felt like cutting it down to the core makes you realize kind of like, all right, this is what I actually need to run rather than, oh, all of these apps, I need them all and all on my various home screens. What am I going to do? So it's a it's a good tip for hopefully making your making your device run a little bit faster. Yeah. One other thing I want to bring up, uh, another behavior that I've changed is that, um, and I wrote about this on Monday. It's that I've decided to stop jailbreaking my devices. I've been jailbreaking forever. I ever know. Ever since the first <laughs> one came out, because I needed to take screenshots, and you couldn't at the time, because <laughs> I was writing a book about this thing. I was like, I can't grab screenshots. So I jailbroke it after like nine hours working with Ben Long and figured out how to do it, because nobody knew how to do it at the time. Um, and for years and years and years, I kept jailbreaking, because there were enough little features that were missing that I really wanted, like... Video capture, you couldn't TV out. TV out, you couldn't do. Or you would have um, certain apps that would play on your phone, but they wouldn't allow you to play elsewhere because of DRM. And yes. then you could get around that in some ways. Um, tethering was another thing that people under AT&T would have to pay 20 bucks a month. And if you had a jailbreak, you didn't have to do that. Uh, <laughs> but I'm done now. With iOS 8, there are so many features in there that... I would have jailbroken before to get. And with some of the capabilities coming up in Yosemite, there's some other things that are going to go away for me. I understand people, I think people have the perfect right to jailbreak. It's their device. As long as you jailbreak and don't then call Apple when you screw it up. Yeah. Whatever. You know, it's your thing. Do it. Fine. Um, with the understanding that it's your responsibility, that if you're going to do it, you've got to own that. Um but increasingly, I just, I've run out of reasons to do it. I don't care so much about customizing my iPhone screen with a cool pattern because I like the background patterns that Apple has <laughs> and I can add other images if I want. You can, yeah. I don't have to customize my icons a thousand ways to Sunday because I like the icons that are on there. So I'm good with this. So I'm kind of, again, I'm sorry to leave the jailbreaking community behind. Maybe there'll be a reason for me to do it sometime in the future. But for now... I'm I'm pretty happy with what Apple's done. And and honestly, although I don't know that Apple would talk about this, they've hired some of those people. I mean, those people are smart. They're smart and they know what they're doing. And so I think some of the features that we now see on our 
devices are because of those people said, you know, we did this in jailbreaking community and it's awesome. People love it. You should do it too. And maybe Apple said, hmm, great idea. I think that looks good. So I, I think we have seen some of those. So um, again, no angry mail from jail, jailbreakers. I love you guys still, um, but I'm just, I'm done. Did yeah. you, were you ever a jailbreaker? I considered it. Very briefly, I think in the beginning when uh, when tethering was not allowed and um, also for the TV out reasons, because I remember we had this conversation, Chris, uh, I think my first Macworld, the second Macworld, when mm-hmm. you were setting up the Macworld live stage and we oh, were trying right. to, to do TV out for the for the first iPad. And we were like, oh, this is such a pain. But you can if you jailbreak it, you can make it work and it'll be fine. But oh, <laughs> I remember that I actually had to bring you a jailbroken iPad so you yeah. could do your presentation. <laughs> That's so, right. so during that time, you know, I briefly thought about it and I looked into Cydia and all of that. And I was like, all right, this is kind of cool. But uh, I don't know. I, uh, I I got through most of my tweaking, my tweaking phase in, uh, in like high school and early college where it's like I did so much random stuff to my devices um, that, that now in my grizzled old age at 26, I'm like, <laughs> yeah, I'll stick with I'll stick with features as is. There's nothing. There wasn't anything so compelling that it was worth the potential security risk and the and everything else. Right. It's, it's sort of fun to do for, to get your geek on, just so you yeah. can do it and then go. Oh. Uh, early did. on, I, I showed. I was at an Apple event and and uh, Jaws was there and uh, I said, "Hey, look!" Because <laughs> I was running Terminal on my iPhone oh, under jailbreak, and he kind of looked at it and went. Hmm. <laughs> yeah. Just shook his head. Just oh, going, Christopher. You Christopher have Breen. You have destroyed my beautiful work. <laughs> you know, but I have to think that, you know, they had they'd already done it long ago. It's like, yeah, 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 we did. Oh, that. of course. But yeah. We could run terminal too and we can get in legitimately instead of you. Um but so it was kind of fun, you know, just sort of like, ooh, look what I did. But uh but now <laughs> You're no, so. mocking the Apple executives. Look, look, look. Look. Yeah, no. They were <laughs> he was not impressed. <laughs> I imagine. So much for that. Uh, It's time for us to wrap up. But before we do, we have one more word. And that is from Veradesk, which is a height adjustable standing desk for a healthier working environment. It's no longer a question, but rather a fact, as backed up by the Mayo Clinic, that sitting all day is bad for your health. But there's something you can do about it. You can get a standing desk. The Veradesk is a height-adjustable standing desk that sits on top of your existing furniture. It allows you to raise from a seated to a standing position in just seconds, and it ships fully assembled, ready to use right out of the box. There are four models to choose from for single and for dual monitors, starting at just $275. You can learn more by going to veradesk.com. That's V-A-R-I-Desk.com. And make sure that you let them know that we sent you by putting our podcast name in the Where Did You Hear About Us section at checkout. Well, I've tried to stretch this out as long as I can, but um, I think we're, we're near the end. And as my daughter says, I have feels. Um, and I feels. have sad feels. And my sad feels are because this is the last podcast we do together. And I have so enjoyed our partnership here, and it's just been awesome. But... Um, you know, so rather than, than get too feelsy about this, why don't you tell us what you're going to do next? Okay. Well, I'm not going to be doing podcasts with you, which makes me very sad. But uh, I am going to be heading over to a little site called imore.com. Oh, I've heard of them. Yeah. 
Yeah, they. I hear they do good work. <laughs> yes, and, uh, they do really good. Work. They employ Canadians, so as a half Canadian, you know, I'm I'm in good company. Um, I'm I'm really really excited to go work with uh, with Renee and and Allison and Georgia um, and Peter Cohen. I think that's it's going to be a lot of fun. Um, they're they're really awesome people, and they have already been like welcoming me with open arms and being like, oh, you know what. What we whatever we can do, let us know, which is which is really, really cool. And while I'm I'm very, very unhappy to to stop doing this podcast with you, Chris, and I was very sad to leave MacWorld because you know this is this is where I got my start. Yeah. I wasn't in I wasn't in technology journalism before MacWorld. Um, I was I was a film student and a theater kid. So this um, I I I have a lot of. Uh, I, I have to give Macworld a lot of credit and I have to give like you, you, you and Jason and Dan Miller, um, a lot of, a lot of credit for, for sort of taking on somebody who had no idea what she was doing. And like, I feel, I feel like a very competent member of the technology media, uh, coming out, you know, four years, four years later, as much, as much, you know, as you can say that like, I'm a competent member of the technology media. Like it's a, like it's a, you know, member of the white house press corps or something like that. But, um, but I, I am really, really grateful to everyone at Macworld for everything that they've, they've taught me. And, and God, God knows I'd never done podcasts before going to Macworld and, and starting with the incomparable. So I uh, certainly have to give you guys credit for, for whipping me into shape on that front. Well, heaven knows you've proved yourself, and it's as as the old guy of the staff now. Um, it's really heartening to see such great young talent coming up, um, and and you're certainly the epitome of that. You, you came in smart, and you just got smarter and better all the time. And um, you know you've shown your, yourself your talents in so many different ways. It just you know not just in writing and editing, but you know, the photography stuff, and there were, we had gaps all over the place that you just filled in, and your enthusiasm, you know, just say, yeah, I'll do that. Yeah, okay, <laughs> let me apply my youthful energy to this, because... Tiny mackerel cheerleader! <laughs> yeah, and that was so, so great, and um, and really, this, this has been such a, a joy for me. So, um, are we going to still hear your voice somewhere? Do you... Because uh, you, you're a great podcast. so. I certainly well, I'll definitely be appearing on the incomparable uh, because I'm not. That was never a part of Macworld, and I'm not giving that up. And God knows that Jason, I think, would uh, would hunt me down if I was like, no, sorry, I'm I'm just gonna skip out on on our off our awesome geeky podcast. So I'm gonna be doing that um, and TBD as to what I'm doing over at at iMore. We haven't we haven't decided about that, but I imagine that you will hear my voice on some some sort of podcast very soon good i hope so well again it's been great um any any final words for our listeners um so long and thanks for all the fish no i don't know (laughs) (laughs) that was the title of my blog post and that's all i can think about when i do that but yeah i um i have really enjoyed being on the macworld podcast i've enjoyed you know getting to know a lot of the macworld listeners and you guys can still Talk to me and hang out on Twitter at Saturn, S-E-T-T-E-R-N. I really like talking to people about technology and TV shows and photography and all of this stuff. And so I, I really hope that uh, that it, 
least some of you, you know, come come say hi at iMore now and again. And uh, and also stick with Chris because, you know, I hear this guy knows his stuff. Um, and I hear your, your new and improved co- uh, podcast co-host also knows her stuff. And, uh, and uh, I, I hope that everybody sort of gives, gives Susie a chance because she's awesome. Yeah, she is awesome. And, um, and so tune in next week and, and you'll hear that. But in the meantime, it's just been great. And uh, I will follow your future career with the greatest interest. Oh, Chris. Thank you. It's been a pleasure. Goodbye, Ren. Goodbye, Chris.